Okay, so for today's Sunday School, uh, we are in Westminster Confession of Faith. Now, we, uh, today we are in chapter 3 and section 6, chapter 3, about the, the decrees of God. Um, if you just, to, you know, just by way of review, the beginning of the chapter, uh, basically uh, giving a very broad and expansive uh, definition of God's decrees, basically about everything and anything. And everything um, but then as the chapter moves on it especially starts to focus on God's decrees as it relate relates to predestination election um, and uh, condemnation today uh, we're going to talk about um, in this section um, the fact that when God decrees and he predestines and he elects people uh, he also effectually calls them in time so that um, this is like a, you know a perfect plan and the perfect execution of the plan so nothing is left out to chance so it's not like you know like many of us uh, we might wake up in the morning with a plan of what we would like to do uh, or we would maybe start a week, maybe later on today, you start to lay out, this is what I do Sunday evenings. I, I, oh, sure. Um, uh, Sunday evenings is usually the time I, I look for, I, I, I look toward the rest of the week and I lay out some sort of plan in my mind or I'll sh have a little piece of paper um, and I'll write down all the things that, that, that basically I need to accomplish or our, you know, the family needs to do for the coming week. But as we know, uh, plans go awry and you don't do everything. You don't execute it perfectly. Not with God. He not only plans, he not only predestines uh, and elects, but he executes his plan, his election, his uh, predetermination perfectly through effectual calling. <laughs> well, God never sleeps. Um, so... Let's read section uh, chapter three, section six, and then and then we'll go into a couple of scripture verses that that'll help uh, explain it uh, in more detail. As God has appointed the elect unto glory, so has He, by the eternal and most free purpose of His will, foreordained all the means thereunto. So not only does He elect, but He also has foreordained all the means that will perfect carry out his plan. Wherefore, they who are elected, being fallen in Adam, are redeemed by Christ, are effectually called unto faith in Christ by his spirit, working in due season, are justified, adopted, sanctified, and kept by his power through faith unto salvation. Neither are any other redeemed by Christ effectually called, justified, adopted, sanctified, and saved, but the elect only. All right. So here, this section talks about a couple of things. Uh, first, uh, the, the first sentence, what we just mentioned, how God uh, not only elects, but he also foreordains all the means thereunto to carry that election into fruition uh, and into uh, eternity or into in, uh, to, to perfect that plan um, then the second sentence talks about what we might call salvation accomplished 
and salvation applied. Okay, the sentence that says, Wherefore they who are elected, being fallen in Adam, are redeemed by Christ. That's salvation accomplished, which means that when, when Jesus died and rose again, uh, it wasn't just one man doing this and you know he alone died and rose and conquered death. And it wasn't also that he opened up the possibility of salvation for us, as in, you know, Jesus died and rose again, conquered death, and now there is the possibility of this potential gift that you could have if you believe on Christ, okay? What this verse is, what, what this uh, confession is saying, and we'll, 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 we'll look at uh, a verse that talks about this uh, very clearly, is when Jesus, not just when Jesus died, but, uh, and not just when Jesus came to earth, but before all creation, God had already elected his church and made Jesus their head, their representative. And so when Jesus came to earth, he was already the representative head, a second Adam, of all the elect. When Jesus died, he died to death for all of us. As we, you know, even before we were born. How is that possible? Because he's God. <laughs> God can do that. Okay? And when he rose again, that was our resurrection accomplished. It was already accomplished for us. And that, in, in fact, and we'll take a look at this verse. When Jesus rose into heaven and was seated at God's right hand, the scripture actually says, we also, as our lives were represented by that head, as we were united to Christ, we also are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Present, you know. Or, or not just present tense, but something, something that was accomplished in the past that is also a present reality for us because we are united to Christ. I mean, I mean that, that might be a little bit far-fetched. Obviously, physically, we're not in heaven, right? We're not seated next to God. Um, but... In a spiritual sense, yes, we are. Uh, and, and the Bible says that very clearly, and we'll talk about that. So that's the salvation accomplished part. Okay, that's one that's part of the means that God foreordains to carry out this election. That we are, we fell in Adam, but we are redeemed by Christ, who is our head. And he, when he died, we died. When he was raised, we raised, we rose. And when he was ascended, when he ascended into heaven, we also ascended in uh, in heaven, and we are seated at the right hand of God. And then the Bible talks about how salvation is already accomplished for us. God is already kind to us; He already has grace towards us. But as history progresses, as the ages progress. And as we are physically born into this world, then God takes that salvation, that kindness, that grace that he has already accomplished for us. Then he divvies that out to us in real time. And the first move is effectual calling where he gives us new life, uh, but then it carries it through. Uh, those who are following Adam are redeemed by Christ, are effectually called unto faith 
in Christ, so effectual calling resulting in faith, uh, by His Spirit working in due season, and then justified, adopted, sanctified, and kept by His power through faith unto salvation. Okay? Let's look at a verse that really clear, clearly speaks of this. Let's turn to Ephesians 2. So we're going to look at Ephesians 2, verses 4 to 10. Uh, this is a very familiar verse to all of us, because this is the verse that says, we are saved by grace, not by works. Right? And so all of us know this passage. But uh, a lot of times what we might do with this passage is, it's, it's a mouthful. And, and what we tend to do is we, we read it all the way through and we only catch that part where it says we're saved by grace, not by works. Okay? What I want us to do is really slow down and pay attention to, 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 to the words and what Paul is actually saying in these verses, 4 through 10, because it, it, it gives such a great picture, wonderful picture of salvation accomplished and what that means, and then salvation applied and what that means, and also, you know, as God applies that salvation to us, that first step of effectual calling, which is what gifts us faith. Okay, so let me read it. But God, verse 4, uh, chapter 2, verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay. Verses 4 to 5 and 6, 4, 5, and 6, speaks about salvation accomplished. Again, not just in the sense of Jesus accomplished it by himself, and not in the sense of Jesus accomplished it and then opened up a possibility for us, but, but, but pay attention to, to the words and, and what they are actually saying. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. That's past tense. Made us alive together with Christ and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I want us to try to make sense of verse 6. What does the Bible mean when it says we are raised up together? Past tense, we are raised up together and we sit together in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. How are we supposed to make sense of that? Like logical sense of that? I'm not raised yet. I haven't even died yet. Right? I'm not sitting, I'm not in the heavenly places. I'm here on earth. 
Okay, is this just some? Okay, you know, like my wife and I were we're getting a little older in age, so so sometimes we'll when the kid goes to sleep, we'll we'll turn on like an exercise video and then like a motivational speaker, and sometimes they'll use really like uh, extreme language to like pump you up and 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 get you motivated. Is this just motivating language here? No, this is. What what verse six is describing is salvation accomplished by Christ, but not only Himself, but as all of the elect are considered united to Him when He died, so that the Bible can say we died with Him. When He raised, so that the Bible can say all of us were raised with Him at that moment, and when He went up and ascended to heaven and sat down on at the right hand of the Father, and the Bible can say we also already sat down in the heavenly places. With the heavenly Father, because we were already united to Christ. Okay. Yes, exactly. Okay. So, so, so that's what the Bible means when it says salvation accomplished. Is all of that is accomplished? Again, I have to stress: not just by Christ Himself. Not just by Christ opening up a possibility and a probability and a potentiality that through faith you have to grasp and hold. This is Christ accomplished it for Him and the elect. And it's all past tense. The cross is past tense. God planning this before the world right. was created. Exactly right. Verse six does not say, "And you will be raised up together, and you will sit together with Christ in the heavenly places." Even though that's true. It's the past tense. You were raised. Uh, actually, uh, verse five: By grace you have been saved. Okay, that's that's the verse that we all memorize, right? By grace you have been saved. In the original language, that word "you have been saved" is what's called a pa- a, a perfect passive participle. All right, a a perfect passive participle. I'll, I'll explain what that means. Participle just means that it 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 um it modifies the pronoun that came before it. You, the plural you. So all of us. Okay. So a participle just means that uh, it, it's a word that modifies you, plural, all of us. Okay. Perfect. It's a perfect tense, meaning this was something that was accomplished in the past. But has present reality now. No, no, not manifested. Something that was accomplished in the past that is still a reality now. It would be like me saying, "I have graduated from college." I that happened before, and it always is true. I'm always a college graduate because of what something happened before. I graduated from college. But I, the reality is, I'm always, you know, I always have graduated from college. Okay, it, that doesn't change. The present reality never changes. So it's a past. It's a it's a perfect tense. By grace, you have been saved. Something that Jesus did in the past that is a present reality now that doesn't change. And it's a passive verb. It's a passive participle, meaning you didn't do it. Something was done to you. You are passive. Okay, so it's the difference between 
Uh, well, okay, let's just be very direct. It's a difference between I save myself versus I have been saved by something else or someone else, okay? Um, so it's a passive, it's a, it's a perfect passive participle. You have been saved. Now, verse 7, so verses 4, 5, and 6 talks about the salvation accomplished. And remember, this relates to our, uh, this relates to our confession of faith because it talks about God foreordaining all the means to carry out his election, okay? This is part of the means. He sent Christ to accomplish it. It's already, a, it's already fully accomplished. 100% for his people. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Right. Which makes all of that discussion about is our final is our initial final is our initial justification different than our final justification? Is our initial justification by faith alone and then our final justification by faith in accord with works? It makes all of that discussion moot, doesn't make sense, doesn't matter. You know, it just Christ accomplished it all already, a hundred percent, for himself and all his people. Okay, so 4, 5, and 6 talks about salvation accomplished. And then in verse 7, very clearly, it starts to move towards salvation applied. So that God did all of that. He accomplished all of that so that, in verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? All of that was accomplished. You know, God was exceedingly kind, exceedingly rich in his grace towards us. So that in the coming ages, when, when we're actually born, then he can pour out that gift of salvation to us and apply it to us and give it to us so that we experience it and that we know it and we believe on it. So is this the, like the elect? Is that for like certain like individuals? Is that for um, everyone that's saved? Like, the way that he pour out his mercy that was preordained, like um It's for the elect. Yeah, the elect every every, every believer. believer. Every believer, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um illustration. Let's my son is two. Let's say I buy him a Ferrari or a Jaguar or whatever, like a Lamborghini, like like a really nice <laughs> I buy him a car now. Okay, but he's two. He can't drive it. He doesn't know what it is. He doesn't appreciate it. But it's already accomplished. Like, like I've already bought it. It's, it's, it's there for him in full. And when he turns 18, I give it to him. You know, the gift didn't arrive when he was 18. The gift was already there. It was just, I waited for the ages to come before I gave it to him so that he could enjoy it and experience it. Okay, but it would be foolish for him to say, wow, you know, you did that for me just now, you know? So it's kind of, it's something like that, okay? That's what God does for us. Um, well, the, the fullness of the, what they call the fruition of it is not here and now. It is when the culmination of everything in heaven. So we understand that. That's what you're talking about, it seems. It's a futuristic, it's accomplished, but it hasn't been right accomplishment and application of it and the giving you know in the in the in our experience of it 
experiencing of it is very different. Right. Yeah. And not and not just in this topic, but in in all of life. Okay, let's think about our salvation. Is it totally accomplished? Yes. But do we waver in faith sometimes? Do we doubt sometimes? Yes. But when we doubt and when we waver, does that mean God has less saved us? No. Right? So so it's it, there's all Yes. So we're waiting for that as well. Yeah. We know it's here. We know we have a destiny, just like when we were in battle, we know we've got a home, we know where we go there, but that home is there. Yeah. So. Well, to bring it back to the metaphor that I just did with my son in the car, a, a, a fictional metaphor, okay? But, okay, I haven't bought, I don't, sure. can't. <laughs> um, what if he's six and seven and I say, son, you've got a car. You don't have to worry about that. It's a really nice car. And I keep saying to him, when he's 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. It's a reality that's definitely there, but he can't see it yet. Okay? It's an invisible reality that he can't see. He just has to take my word by faith. And then when he turns 18, he sees it. And now it's visible. It's revealed. That's the only difference between where we are now and what, where, what we will be in heaven. The reality, the, self, you know, the gift, the grace, it's there. But now, it's invisible, we take it by faith. Because God keeps telling us, this is the case. You know, all your sins have been forgiven. You're adopted as sons. You know, you can call me father. You know, you can come before my holy presence. You know, you can approach boldly before my throne of grace. All these things we can't see, we can't feel, we can't, you know, tangibly confirm by our senses. We take it by faith. Because God tells us, and we trust, and we believe. When we get to heaven, when everything is revealed, is when we say, oh, wow, okay, now I see with my eyes. Okay, so, so yes, Rod, that, that's, that's the difference between now and, now and then. That's the only difference. But the reality of the grace is, doesn't change. Or, or the, 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 the substance of the grace. The presence, you know, the, the existence of that grace doesn't change. Yeah. Faith, yes. Right. So they see that then as a choice because of the yeah. work. So therefore you have to yeah. choose to believe and you can forfeit that position you have in heaven by not believing. Yeah. Let 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 me make one point about effectual calling and faith. Effectual calling always precedes faith. Okay, um, God has to do a work in you first. Sometimes people, uh, uh, not okay. You know, sometimes the the idea of effectual calling is also connected to this idea of new birth. Okay, um, God has to call you first. God has to give you new birth first before you're able to even have faith. It's not the other way around where. When you, ha when you start to believe, then you have new birth. Okay? That's, that's, that's Armenian. Meaning, you reach up to God, you grasp a hold of God, and as soon as you kind of touch Him, or, or, or connect with Him, or whatever, then He gives you so new birth. What did you say about, like, people that are saved through, like, man, like, by talking to them, and then they, you know, uh, start reading. 
sure. you're seeking God. Yeah. So, like, is that not like reaching up to God? God well, God always uses different tools and instruments. Those are the means. That right. Those are the those are earthly means and human means. But it doesn't mean that God hasn't started something in their heart. Well, but you can prove that. Right. So some people respond because God to the same elements because God has taken life and others don't yeah. because of If you had to point to a verse to to tell somebody about effectual calling and how that precedes faith, it's this verse. Ephesians two verse five. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we were dead, meaning spiritually dead, even when we were dead in trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. Okay? Now, can a dead person reach up to touch God? Can a per dead person reach out in faith to grasp and apprehend God? No, a dead person is just dead. They can't do anything. God has to reach down 100% to lift that person out and give them new life. That's why, unless you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom. Right. Yes, Ezekiel, right. That's the illustration, right? The dry bones are just dry bones. They, they can't do anything, much less respond to God. Okay? God, through the preaching of the word, through Ezekiel, and the breath, the wind, the spirit, ruach, in, in, in Hebrew is the same for wind and Holy Spirit. Okay? God's ruach comes, and by the word and the spirit, they come alive. And then they become a living army for, for God. Uh, another illustration, uh, sort of a metaphor for effectual calling. When Peter uh, walks on, starts to, he, he, you know, they're in a storm, they're in a boat, they're in a storm, and he, they see Jesus walking in water, and Peter, uh, everybody always criticizes Peter uh, for, for being so foolish, getting out of the boat and, and walking. But to his credit, he's the only, he's the only other person besides, besides Christ who's ever walked on water. At least a few steps, okay? Nobody else can claim that except for Peter. So he had some faith, okay? Peter starts to walk on water. He looks down, gets afraid, and starts to sink. At the point when he starts to think, sink, he can't save himself. There's nothing he can do. He's in the storm, okay? It's Jesus who reaches down and lifts him up. It's not Peter swimming up and then Jesus coming down and then them kind of like meeting halfway and then... You know, Jesus, you know, Peter is done, right? He's sinking, and, you know, Jesus lifts him up. You think about Jonah, right? Jonah and the whale. Now, I know I've gone off and done allegorical, okay? <laughs> All right, so, so, so I'm just using those as illustrations of effectual calling, okay? I'm not saying that those parables teach about effectual calling. All I'm saying is, that's the picture I get when I think about effectual calling. God doing everything and us doing nothing because we can't. But yeah, it's proven. always God. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm saying it's always God doing the, like the, the, the work. And he, he initiates. So, like, I'm not interested in God. No one seeks God. Right. That's where I am. I'm in rebellion. I'm ignoring God. He comes along and regenerates. Then I'm interested, and I repent and believe. Now he doesn't repent and believe for me. I have to repent and believe. 
but I'm not able to, I'm not interested in, until he works in my heart. Mm-hmm. And the best proof of that is what he says, so that none may boast. Yes, exactly, right, in, in, in that passage in Ephesians 2, yes, so that none, none, be, none may boast. Um, so why am I saved and unable to do it? Because God worked in my heart, not because I'm a great guy. It says by grace through faith. What's interesting about the by grace through faith in that passage in Ephesians is, remember we talked about how verses 4 to 6 talks about salvation accomplished, and then verses 6 to the rest talks about salvation applied. Uh, That phrase, by grace you've been saved, is actually repeated twice. Once in the salvation accomplished part, and once in the salvation applied part. The difference is that when the Bible talks about salvation accomplished, it only says, by grace you have been saved. Doesn't talk about faith. Doesn't even enter the picture. Because in salvation accomplished, our faith isn't even in the picture. God accomplished it in Christ. And we are. it, it was accomplished for all of us in Christ. By grace you have been saved. That's in verse 5. And then, when the Bible moves on to talk about salvation applied, effectual calling, which results in faith, then it says, by grace you have been saved through faith. Okay, so I thought that was that that's a very interesting kind of you know thing that the Bible does there. Yeah. Yes. Both grace and faith are grammatically connected to the word gift. Okay, okay. Yeah, sure.